You are at the right place at the right time. Welcome to the Discover the Word podcast with Kevin Perney. This is a ministry of discovertheword.net. Welcome back to Discover the Word podcast. This is Kevin Perney, and it is wonderful to be with you here today. Today, we have a message from Dr. Martin Canavan. Now, this is a message he preached some time ago in 1979. Uh, Since then, he has gone to be with the Lord. But uh, I first heard this message in the late 90s, and it really touched my heart and moved me. And I believe it's one that... uh, you will be blessed by as well. It is entitled At Par Bar Westward. And the title may not mean a lot to you at this point, but uh, by the end of the message, I believe it will be quite significant as well. So without further delay, here is Dr. Martin Canavan. The other day, my daughter came to me and said she had a scripture that she had heard and uh, wanted to talk about it. I have told my students that they ought to use familiar scriptures. That is, you know, scriptures that are well known. But here was a scripture that she had heard that was very unfamiliar. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 18. 1 Chronicles 26, verse 18. Very simple. At Parbar westward, four at the causeway, and two at Parbar. Now, a very literal rendering of that verse of Scripture is at Parbar westward, four at the causeway, and two at Parbar. That's directly from the Hebrew. Now, folks, I think we need to understand something before we get into this message. That verse of Scripture that I just read is just as inspired as John 3.16. You know, there are people that have red-letter editions of the Bible, and they say, oh, this is really important. This is what Jesus said. Now, folks, this verse of Scripture, as obscure as it is, is just as important and just as inspired and just as much the Word of God as Ephesians 2.8. And so when I began to think about that, and my daughter kind of challenged me to look at it, because she had heard some uh, stories about it. In fact, there was a young man that was, I don't know if you used to answer roll call in Sunday school with a verse of Scripture or not, I was a smart elk, and I always had a verse of Scripture, Jesus wept. <laughs> Boy, they said, 
Give us a verse. Jesus wept. Over here at Biola, a young man answered roll call with this verse of Scripture and was expelled. They thought he was being smart. Now, I don't know what your favorite Scripture is. Maybe it's John 3.16. Maybe it's John 5.24. Ephesians 2.8. But after I looked at this verse of Scripture, it suddenly became one of my favorites. Let's read it again. At Power Bar Westward, for it's because we're into a Power Bar. Now, you will search in vain for another Scripture that deals with Power Bar. In fact, the Hebrew stem simply indicates that it was some kind of a suburb. It was close to the temple. And they are making preparations now for the assignments for the people of the temple area. That's what it's all about. It is that there were to be two of the Levites that were on the west side of Parbar. Then there apparently was some kind of a causeway that led from Parbar into the temple. And there were to be two at one end of the causeway and two at the other end of the causeway. And then there were to be two actually in that little suburb known as Parbar. Now, I think that we need to see if there aren't some truths in this passage of Scripture that would speak to our hearts for this day. Now, remember the Levites were the priests of Israel. Remember, too, that the Bible teaches, according to 1 Peter 2.5 and 1 Peter 2.9, that we are a kingdom of priests. That if you are a believer, you are a priest before God. The Bible says that He has made us unto God kings and priests, and we shall reign with Him on this earth. So I see here a picture of the believer. Now, every one of these that were Levites had a child. Now, if that's true, it means that every Christian, no matter who he is, has something that he can do for the Lord. I don't know if you watched the Rams game this afternoon or not, but uh, I'm reminded of something that Darrell Royal said. He said a football game is where a hundred thousand people that need to exercise watch 22 people that don't need any exercise run up and down the field. Did you know that's not the way it is in church? Hundreds of people that need spiritual exercise come and listen to the Sunday school teachers or listen to the preachers and say, my, isn't that wonderful, and go home. 
Do you realize that only 20% of all church members do any work in the church? 20% of the church members are the ones that support the church financially. You know, there are so many people that are just sitting on the periphery of the uh, services and watching. And they are not involved in any way. I'm reminded of the two hippies that were in Florida. And they started walking across the Everglades. And one of the hippies slipped and fell into the quagmire and he was going down. And he said, hey man, give me a hand. And the other hippie backed up and said... I imagine George feels that way a lot of the time. <clears throat> I'm afraid that most of us are standing on the sidelines and watching other people do the spiritual work. Let me remind you of this, that every one of us has a place in God's service. Unfortunately, there are uh, people that just don't really want to work. There's a fellow came around and said, uh, What can I do? And I looked at him and I said, Why don't you take the turtle out for a walk? He didn't want anything to do. He wasn't about to do anything for the Lord. He just wanted to make conversation. And there are people everywhere that are just like that. They don't really want to work for the Lord. They just want to make noises like they want to work for the Lord. But there's something else that I see here. And that is that every job is important. Now remember that these men were not allowed to choose their job. Notice verse 13 of 1 Chronicles 26. And they cast lots. The way that a man's position was decided was by lot. Now, this must have been a humiliating thing. To have to be stuck over there in Parbar, a place that isn't even mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Why couldn't I have the Golden Gate? Why couldn't I have Damascus Gate? Why couldn't I have an important place to stand uh, guard? But you see, nobody asked them. There are people that, well, if I can't be top, I won't be anybody. I know pastors that for one reason or another are no longer pastors. And you can't get them to go to church. You can't get them to be loyal and honorable in their service to Jesus Christ. I cannot understand that. God has chosen wherever you are as a place of service for you. And you had better learn to be faithful in that place 
and let God use you in that place. The first job I ever had in the church was passing the collection plate. And then I got to the back of the church and dropped the plate. And so they decided that I'd better... There was a, a blind brother that lived close to the La Habra church, and they decided that maybe I could at least lead him up to church <laughs> without uh, tripping him or whatever. But eventually they elected me to teach a Sunday school class. And then finally God called me to preach. Now I had no idea that if I had not been faithful to attend when I was just passing the collection plate, or when I was leading that dear old brother to services because he was blind, that God would have ever asked me to do anything else. But you see, there are lots of people that if they cannot be the pastor, if they cannot be the president, if they cannot be the chief, they don't want anything to do with it. But, beloved, that isn't the way that God has it designed. God says that it is important for these people to be at par bar. It's important for these people to be westward of Parbar. It's important for these people to be on the causeway leading from Parbar to the temple. And whether we like it or not, God has a place for us, and we ought to say, Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to fill this place where you have put me. Another thing that I see here, is that every person that works for the Lord must be qualified. Look at the first five verses. Concerning the divisions of the porters, of the Korhites, of Meshelamah, the son of Korah, the son of Asaph, the sons of Meshelamah, and Zechariah, the firstborn, Jediel, the second, Zebediah, the third, Jothniel, they had to be born into a right relationship before they could be chosen to be a service. You know, there are too many people that are trying to fill places in the work of God that are not qualified. You need to be born again. You need to have a personal relationship, and you need to be able to reproduce yourself Amen. by preaching, teaching. Our pastor this morning gave an excellent way for you to take a few verses of Scripture and lead your child to the Lord Jesus Christ. What a shame it is. There was a pastor some time ago. He wrote a book on how to win souls. Interestingly enough, that pastor called me and said, My son wants to be saved. Would you come over and talk to me? And yet, he has a widely circulated book on how to win souls. I was happy to go to his home. I was happy to uh, talk to his son. I was happy to pray with the boy and uh, hear him say that he had accepted the Lord 
as his personal Savior. But what astonished me was that that man called me when he professed to be some kind of an expert in the field of evangelism. But there is another thing that I see here. And maybe I have to grope for this just a little bit. But the greatest ability that I believe that there is, is dependability. You know, my arm, after all, the church is spoken of as the body of Christ. And so I don't think that I am out of place to use that as a figure of speech in my relationship to the Lord and His work. Do you realize that my arm doesn't work all the time? But my arm must be restfully available and instantly obedient. If I need that arm, it had better react. It had better be there. It had better be available. Oh, beloved. I wish I could get you to, to understand what it is to be a pastor and have so few people that you can depend upon. So few people that are dependable. When I was a boy, I had a Sunday school teacher. His name was A.D. Hart. He taught me when I was in the fifth grade. Later on, I, of course, I moved to California. And uh, in God's purpose, I had a program on portions of the mutual broadcasting system. And it was broadcast in Oklahoma. And uh, this brother wrote me and said, Oh, I'm so glad to hear that you're a minister of the gospel. Well, that made me feel good. And so I was in Oklahoma, and he owned a chain of five and ten cent stores. And I went to see Mr. Hart. And uh, he was up on a mezzanine. And when I walked in the store, I just spoke to one of the girls there and said, I'd like to see Mr. Hart. And he heard my voice, recognized it from the radio program. And he rushed down and threw his arms around me. And he said, I was always known as Junior when I was a kid. Oh, Junior, it's so good to see you. I said, Mr. Hart, I came by just to tell you how much I appreciated the fact that you were always there when I was a kid, that you were always available, and that you took an interest in us boys. And Mr. Hart stood back a little bit, and he said, Junior, you're the first person that ever thanked me. 
I taught literally hundreds of boys. But you're the first one that ever said thanks. Oh, beloved, I want to thank you. Those of you that are dependable, those of you that are faithful to the Lord's work, it may seem to you like you've been relegated to Parbar. It may seem to you like you've been relegated to the causeway. But remember, if people could come from Parbar into the temple, they could have stolen billions of dollars. They could have taken away the wealth of the nation of Israel. It may not have been the most well-traveled way, but it was important for them to be dependable. And it's important for you. It's important for me. It's important for the children of God. Even if it's parmar, be faithful for Jesus' sake. Father God, how we love you tonight. How we love your cause. And we pray in Jesus' precious name that people might be challenged to realize that even though this is a very obscure scripture, that it may not speak like some of the great passages that we've heard in times past. But, oh God, help us to understand that we're called into a life of service. Lord, let us not be like the crowd at the football game, sitting passively, criticizing when somebody does something wrong. Help us to exercise the gifts that you have given us. Oh, Lord, whatever talents we may have, may they be dedicated to you, not because we are worthy but because we ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's have our pastor stand here as we think page 429. There may be someone here tonight who would like to come, rededicating your life, coming for church membership. Or there may be some of you that are not born of the Spirit of God, and so you don't have a place in the service of God, and you'd like to enlist tonight. Every person in the army of the Lord is a volunteer. There are no draftees. If you want to serve Him, you're going to have to come and accept Him as your personal Savior and then follow Him in obedience. Would you come on any of these invitations while we sing We hope you were blessed by today's message and want to thank you for joining us on this Discover the Word journey today. If you have a moment, would you join with others in going to iTunes and leaving a good review for us? Thanks. We also invite you to visit our website, discovertheword.net. Until next time, have a wonderful day and may God richly bless you.